Good morning, Northern Hills. Good to be with you here this morning. I'm uh, Brandon. I'm one of our teaching pastors. If I have not met you, I hope to meet you at some point today. And uh, we're thrilled you're spending your Sunday here with us in person or those that are joining us online as well. We're in the second week of our teaching series called Influencers. And Pastor John last week opened us up for this series. He opened up the series by asking a question. And that question was, how many of you, how many of us are influencers? And that question led him to a place where he was uh, talking about some of our pastors and their Instagram uh, uh, status, basically pointing towards the idea that that Instagram status allowed us to see how many followers. So he mentioned our, our, our outreach and missions pastor, Spencer Cowan, and the influencers he had. And then he mentioned, of course, Jackie, our worship pastor, and, and the influence she had, the following that she had. But he stated how I was still looking, uh, are you still looking around for my profile? And it hurt my feelings a little bit. It hurt my feelings. You're laughing like I don't have feelings, but it hurt my feelings. And you see, the reason is because I've always had an Instagram. The problem is that when you have a following like I do, and when you have, again, just this sheer attractiveness, and, and you just want to be careful of putting yourself out there and having people engage with you. And so based on the suggestion of my attorneys... <laughs> Gosh, I'm full of it. Based on the suggestion of my eternities, I've been, uh, I've been posting under a pseudo name, a pseudo name, and based on the pictures, it's going to make sense to you in just a second. Would you like to see my Instagram? I, here, here's my Instagram right here, all right? So I go under Pratt, Pratt, Pratt. I have 32.4 million followers, and, uh, you know, I'm following 634 people. I, why did we choose this one? Because I feel like the, there, there was better good-looking pictures of Chris Pratt, and I'm seeing, like, Marvel things and, and whatnot. But there you go. Uh, I, if, if you ever need me, go to Chris Pratt's Instagram, and maybe you'll find me. How many of us, how many of us are influencers? That was the question that was posed, and it doesn't really matter, right? It doesn't matter whether you have an Instagram or not, because the answer that we were giving last week, the answer we're going to give throughout this series is that you're all an influencer, I'm an influencer, you're an influencer. And we're hoping that this teaching series gives us each an opportunity not, not only to recognize the individuals that have influenced our lives, but really to put us in that sort of thinking pattern, that everyday process of understanding, you know what? I have influence. There's people in my sphere of influence, me, uh, uh, how God's placed me and how God's using me to influence this world. See, I think we're living in times of such uncertainty. Uh, our world is asking more questions than they've ever asked. I think it's in a really difficult and hurting place for many. Um, and it's always been that way, but definitely in this season of life where people are wanting to be influenced. They're wanting to get some direction or some meaning, and they're trying to find a person that maybe has an answer, maybe a person that has hope in their life, and they're looking for that same hope. People want to know, is there, is there something more for me? And so the world needs influencers. And we believe that God is using this moment for the people of God to step into the moment in a new, maybe, in a radical way. And so we want to look at three things throughout this series. We believe this is going to help us grow in our life-changing influence, a life-changing, life-defining influence that we can have in others. And we believe that it starts with character, that it's going to require courage, and that it continues with coaching. And so today, we're going to start by just looking at character. Now, I believe everyone loves a story about a hero 
or a heroine who chooses to stand alone against injustice. I think it's a theme that permeates our literature. It's a theme that uh, permeates even the, the stories that we get to see play out on the big screen. It's why I've watched the movie Braveheart 642 times, right? And you can probably think of the movie that you've watched a lot that just stands out to you. I think it's why my kids have worn out the Disney Plus channel. Uh, just to watch the Avenger series or the Star Wars series, right? Standing against injustice, standing against an evil injustice is such a forceful theme. It's such a forceful theme. I think it's even allowed my wife, uh, Jenny. She's, she's a person that hates any kind of movie that has a lot of bloodshed in it. She doesn't really enjoy uh, sad endings to movies. But I think it's why she's even come along to admit that Gladiator, that's a pretty great movie. It's a great movie. Because when we hear of men and women doing the right thing at the risk of losing what's most precious to them, I believe something stirs in our hearts. I believe that's just how God's made us to, to be wired and to think. Something stirs in our hearts. Not only that we would hope that that individual hero or heroine wins at the end of that movie or that book we read, but because we actually place ourselves in their shoes. And we would hope that under the same circumstances, maybe with the same dilemmas they're facing, that we would make the right choices as well, that we would follow their example. See, doing what's right when it costs something, doing the right thing when it costs something, that's the essence of true hero. That's the essence for us. It's also, I believe, the mark of a great influencer. John described last week how we can, uh, we can impart a positive influence or a negative influence in someone's lives. And, of course, most of us never want to be the individual that's uh, being a negative influence in anyone's life. We, uh, life. we can hope to be that positive influence in their life. But he said that sometimes the real danger can actually lie with the individual that's okay with neutral influence where you're really not moving either way, and so you're not doing really anything, making a difference at all. And so he mentioned that the best influencers are the ones that leave that life-changing influence, that leave an indelible mark on someone's life. Life-changing influence is what he called it, and I would argue that when you find that man or that woman who's going to do what's right, regardless of the cost, that it personally is going to have on them, then that's when we've discovered someone whose influence is impacting our life. It's, it's an influence that's worth following. And I believe that's called character at its root. Influence always starts with character. But here's something to keep in mind. I want us to write this down this morning. Life-changing influence, it does start with character. But character is not essential to everyday influence. Now, now understand that because this, this sounds confusing just upon you. Read, read that a couple times. Life-changing influence, it starts with character, but character is not essential to everyday kinds of influence. See, I think we all know of influencers who have lacked character. I think we can all tell a story about that. We, we've seen people of influence who have led organizations that we've worked for, uh, people of influence that have led government we've trusted, that have led our schools, that have led our churches. And while these people, these influencers had garnered a, a loyal following, had they, they had many followers, they weren't necessarily men or women who were known for doing the right thing. In fact, it's not uncommon today that we hear of a lot of accomplished influencers, 
A lot of accomplished people, a lot of people with a, a great resume of influence that will attribute their success or their personal practices uh, to, to the uh, things that are reprehensible to most of us. They would even say their conduct and the, the way they hold themselves is based on someone they followed, but our conduct doesn't seem to align with something we'd want to follow. See, you can influence someone without having character, but character will make you a person worthy of influence. Think about that for a minute. Character is not necessary. If your aspirations as a, as a leader, as a person that leads a company, as a piece, per person that leads an organization, character is not necessary if you're simply persuading people to follow you. But if at the end of the day, your intent is for that influence to, to make a difference in the life of an individual, well, that's character. That's having strong character. Accomplishments. I would say the things that we've done or the things that we sometimes do add to our resume as an influencer, those things can make your name known. But it's going to be character what helps people to remember your name and what your name stood for, what people associate with your name. See, I think this is a biblical premise. I think it's a premise that we see played throughout the scriptures, and I believe it speaks to the importance of character in God's heart and in his eyes. My, my favorite Old Testament example of this is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I love this story because these three Jewish boys, they had every reason to compromise their convictions, their character, to do the wrong thing. In, nine, in 605 BC, the armies of the Babylonian Empire, they're laying siege against the city of Jerusalem. And so when the city falls, the Babylonians, in their customary fashion, they're rounding up all the influencers of the day, the individuals who would have been the brightest and the best among the citizens and the royalty of Jerusalem. And they marched them off to their capital city. And so four that are taken are the prophet Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they enter Babylon as slaves. But over time, by God using their influence and what he's imparted in these young men, the Babylonians came to recognize that these four Jewish boys... They're really extraordinarily gifted. And so consequently, they are granted this prominence, this position, if you will, in the kingdom within the Babylonian empire. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're promoted to what is the equivalent of a city manager. Some of us know those people. Some of us maybe are those people, either viewing online or here in person today. They're managing the city of Babylon. And for them, that meant they had access to the king. And access to the king means that all their needs were taken care of. They were set for life. So keep in mind, these young men appointed to this kind of high position, they would have had absolutely nothing to gain by challenging the new king. Now, in addition to native Babylonians, the city of Babylon was inhabited also by scores of people within the surrounding regions. So King Nebuchadnezzar, his intent, was to transition everyone, transition all foreigners away from their native language, their native culture, their native religion. And he was looking to indoctrinate them into the ways of the Babylonians. And so in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, here's what we learn. Verse 1 through 6 is where we'll start. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. 
So all of these officials came, and they stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. King had a strategy. And the king's strategy, his grand strategy, was to erect this image of gold outside of the city. And then he would order everyone, regardless of any kind of previous religious affiliation they had, to bow and to worship this image whenever certain music was being played in the kingdom. This was King Nebuchadnezzar's attempt his attempt to consolidate his power to ensure that his foreign guests would be so welcome that they would give up their gods and they would bow to his gods as their ultimate authority. So by bowing to the image, an individual is acknowledging that King Nebuchadnezzar was not only the supreme authority, but he was in control of the outcome of their lives. Whatever future they had was going to fall under that umbrella. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego heard the king's edict, they decided not to play along. And here are what some of the astrologers informing the king of their doings says of these defiant Jews. Verse 12. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon, and they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. And then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage, and he ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And were, when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And here's the important question. And then, what God will be able to rescue you from my power? See, Nebuchadnezzar claimed to have control. And it wasn't just this, this seemingly slight control. This was the control of the outcome of events, the outcome of their lives. You will be thrown into a blazing furnace, he declared. Translation, I control your destiny. I control your very lives. To remain in this current position against me is really futile. You have no choice but to bow. I want us to think of two truths this morning. I want us to consider these two tr truths this morning as we think about this conversation around character. And the first truth is that character will cost you something. Character will cost you something. See, being a man... Or woman of strong character. It doesn't come without some cost, a cost that really is associated with it. If you want to have influence that stands strong against the crowds, if you want to have influence in someone's life that's even going to go against culture, that may be expensive. 
We all have different stories, and there are a lot of nuance to those stories, but chances are when you look at someone or a set of circumstances, uh, inevitably, every uh, one of us is going to stand, there's going to be inevitably something that stands between us and, and our circumstance that's going to test our character, and we'll have an opportunity to abandon our character or to hold on to it very tightly as we, uh, as we contemplate our future and the choices that lie before us. I think we're going to be presented with opportunities to either face earthly kings or eternal kings. We have opportunities to face earthly kings or eternal kings. And King Nebuchadnezzar, the earthly king in this situation, is whispering into the ears of our friends, then what? Then what? Then what God is going to be able to rescue you from my power? And earthly kings whisper to us all the time. Well, then what? Who's going to love you? Then what? Who's going to listen to what you have to say? Then <laughs> who's going to follow you? Who do you really have influence over? And see, those are the words of earthly kings. It's in those moments, I think it's so tempting to believe that the eternal king has actually been outmaneuvered. It's in those moments where we're faced with those tough situations to believe that the eternal king maybe has just been outsmarted. It's in those moments that the earthly king seems to have control over the outcome of our decisions. There's a temptation to give in because it seems so real. And the eternal king... I believe wants to remind us that character is going to cost us something. See, character may cost you. Character may cost you to ignore the right to get even. To ignore that. And that's something I think the eternal king really knows about. Character may cost you this idea to, to, to refuse personal gain so you can point to the greater good of something. And that's something I believe the eternal king understands. See, character is going to cost you maybe the re to resist temptation, even though no one would even know if you stepped into that temptation. No one would know the story, but character may cost you that moment to say, no, I'm going to resist it because, you know what, the eternal king understands that. And character may cost you to forgive even when it's going to be the most difficult, painful decision, even when it hurts. That's something that the eternal king completely understands. Character is going to cost you something. I think doing the right thing is hard. <laughs> Many times it, it, it's, it's, it's hard. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood respectfully before this earthly king. And he reminded them that he and he alone controlled outcomes. What God has the power to rescue you from one so great as me? That's what Nebuchadnezzar's viewpoint was. And so he gives the young men a second chance, and they weighed the cost, and here was their answer. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied. This is Daniel 3, 16 through 18. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. But if we are thrown, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. And I love this. You want to talk about character and conviction, but even if he doesn't, 
even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. (laughs) I love this. It's powerful. Translation, Nebuchadnezzar, we've placed our hands, we've placed our, our lives in the powerful hands of the eternal king. That's where we place our lives. You know, the cost is too great to follow you, earthly king. So we're going to go ahead and make the choice that's going to build our character to follow the eternal king. Character is going to cost you something. So when it comes to influence, the question I want to ask you this morning is what cost are you willing to pay? There's something going on in your life right now. There's something that's happening that God's been impressing on your heart. What cost are you willing to pay? See, their response, it infuriated the king. And scripture (laughs) tells us that his attitude towards the three boys changed. Apparently, the king was not accustomed to being told no. He was accustomed to control this whole idea, right, of building the statue in the first place. It was this to reinforce the control of those who inhabited the kingdom. So how dare these three young men defy his command? So how is it? was it that three teenagers far away from their home far away from any friends or family that would be there to support them had this courage to go toe to toe with the most powerful man in the world at that time how did they find the courage to do the right thing because the price was their lives and so the first truth we remember is that a character is going to cost us something the second truth that we're to consider is that character doesn't compromise character doesn't compromise Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they maintained this perspective that I think many influencers, once we've gained the influence, we begin to enjoy the rewards of that influence. In fact, we would follow it or or maybe couch it, uh, the reward as a success. And so we begin to lose sight of the source of the blessing. That's not what the young men did. They never lost the sight of the source of the blessing. Now, here's what I mean by that. The more influence you gain, and whether that's with a group of people, whether that's in your workplace, whether that's in your uh, personal life, or whether that's just even an individual that you gain influence, the more influence you gain, the more successful you'll feel. And here's what I mean by that. People start listening to you. People actually go to you to vet you for a perspective or your position on things. They want your wisdom. They want your insight. What you say is going to matter to them. And that's seen in the moment, that's seen as that builds as success. So when people of influence begin to enjoy the rewards of that success, I believe we can get caught in this this place where we forget the source of that success. And so we begin to compromise. And I believe that pressure to compromise in order to maintain one position or or maintain one's success in the eyes of that other individual, that never goes away. And so it gets harder and it gets harder and it gets harder. See, it's never risky uh, to to not risk anything at all. I I play poker from time to time. And in playing poker from time to time, uh, when I'm not playing with any cash on the line, it's a lot easier to go all in with my stack of chips. You can bluff, you can do whatever you need to at that point to just push it all in, right? It's much easier to go in when there's nothing on the line, when there's nothing to lose. 
And I think as our influence grows, that's where the stakes get raised. And so we feel like, oh, I have something to lose there. And the earthly kings, the earthly kings of the world are going to claim that they have control of over what we lose or what we keep or how much success we really do have or how that has to, to grow. And so those threats seem so real. The consequences of ignoring the earthly king seem so real, seem so unavoidable that we think, hmm, maybe I'll just compromise my character in this moment for this one thing. I can remember a, a pastor. I was interning uh, at a church in Arvada prior to being here at Northern Hills. And this pastor uh, I had come to know at the church I was at before interning, but he actually stepped away from ministry and he wanted to start a company. And I believe that this pastor's connections, all the connections he had built at his church, all the influence he had, I think that's what it really allowed just him to really have some God-driven, God-given success coming out of that church. And, and it just, again, his charismatic personality combined with that strong character, it was infectious and allowed that company to really thrive. But in a relatively short period of time, I think he found this venture capital and he ended up building this great company. But as he was making the incline, the risk became a little bit riskier. There was more on the line for him. So he made this incline. He was getting to the next level of his success. And this man that had previously not taken any kinds of shortcuts morally or ethically began to compromise. See, the influx of money combined with some uh, personal investors at that time and some prospective investors that would donate to this company, it took its toll on him. And I saw that this fear began choking the life out of him. So his quest for progress became this dread of losing what God had already given to him. And so he, hold, he held on tightly. And eventually he began to lose some friendships along the way. Eventually, he began to actually get really defensive, and not just with his working environment, but truly with other relationships that were trying to press in, so those or where those friendships got lost. And eventually, he began even taking medication to ease anxiety that he was just going through. He had never had to be at this spot, right? So at the beginning of his journey, he was quick, so quick to give God all the credit for the success that had gotten him to the place that he was. But over time, he felt really, it was difficult. He had this difficult time trusting God with the next level, with the next step, to maintain the business success and to get to the next part of his journey. And so he continued to stray from the things that he once valued most. I believe he had lost sight of the source of his blessing. And character doesn't compromise. These three young men, they never lost sight. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't the reason that they were given prestige in Babylon. He wasn't the reason they'd become these men of influence. Their gifts, their, their giftedness, these, this, those were blessings from God. Why would they abandon the principles of God in order to maintain the blessings of God? Why would you? Why would you abandon the principles of God in your life in order to maintain his blessing on your life? Why abandon the eternal king who actually knows the outcome, who's in charge of the outcomes to follow the earthly king? I think this is so true for you and me. It's truth for our lives. The eternal king is always gonna be able to deliver us 
from coercions or the threats that the earthly kings want to lay down at our feet, lay down in our hearts and build roots in, right? The eternal king is always able to deliver. He controls the actions of those who are claiming to control actions. He's the one that controls the actions of those that are claiming to control our outcomes. And your character, your character, it's not for sale. It's not for sale. It's too valuable a thing. Character does not compromise. I'll let you read the rest of the story found in Daniel chapter 3. I'm going to sum it up here this morning. Please go back and read that. But as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego predicted, God delivered them. He delivered them from Nebuchadnezzar's hand. And they emerged from the fiery furnace unharmed. It's a great story. Go read it if you haven't. But as a result, Nebuchadnezzar came to this starting realization that he wasn't in control at all, that he never was. Daniel chapter 3, verses 28 and verse 30. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. See, in refusing to compromise their character, these young men then gained moral authority and they gained greater influence with the king. They had consistency, not just belief. It was consistency in belief and action. It was consistency in conviction. Yes, we all have those, but it was conviction and behavior. That's what led them to this place. And it was overpowering, even to a man like Nebuchadnezzar. He'd never witnessed that kind of individual stick to that kind of ideal. And I think few people have. That's why we love the movies we watch. And the books that we read, these three slave boys from a conquered nation, they radically influenced the king, the king of a nation. By what? By refusing to bow. When bowing was the only thing they could do. So what do we do? What do we do? One of the speakers at the men's conference here at Northern Hills this past Friday night, they spoke about something uh, called the privacy lie and how they define this privacy lie. The big idea behind that is that, that if we believe our sin or our righteousness only impacts us, then we are sorely mistaken. And it was this idea, just to say it in another way, our sin or our righteousness never impacts only you. It's always impacting someone else. It's a lie if you don't believe you're an influence to somebody, that someone's watching, someone's looking. And so our sin or our righteousness can impact another person. So what do we do this next week? If we're looking to grow in our character, I want us to ask ourselves this question. I'm going to ask it. You ask it. What small thing in your life right now has the potential to grow into a large thing? What small thing in your life right now has the potential to grow into a large thing? And who knows it other than you? Ask yourself those two questions because we owe it to those. <laughs> well, first of all, we owe it to ourselves, right? But I believe we owe it to others as well, the influence we have to identify and resolve the baby lions in our life that may turn 
into a big adult lion that's not only looking to devour us, but is looking to devour those that have put their trust in us. Our character, our character is developed in every decision we make and every relationship that we build. So what small thing in your life has the potential to grow into a large thing? And who knows about it other than you? Ask yourself those two questions. In closing, we, we want to be life-changing influencers. <laughs> I think that's what we all want to be. No one wants to settle for the neutral leader. And influence starts with character. And there's going to come a time in our life when we have an opportunity to inf influence another person where our character is going to be tested. And so like all the stories that we love, all the great stories that just empower us to say, I want to be that hero. I want to be that heroine. Know this, you're going to have an opportunity to be the hero. You're going to have that opportunity in your life. And that opportunity may take some of us by surprise. Some of us, we're going to be in the heat of the moment, and we're going to be unaware of maybe what's at stake because doing the right thing is hard. It's always hard. And those earthly kings, they're going to try to assure us that we'll have no choice but to bow down and compromise. And it's in those moments, those moments that we can trust the eternal king, the king that doesn't compromise, the king that has never compromised for us, the king that also understands the cost. That's the king we can turn to. I believe we can trust in those moments the eternal king because he has shown up time and time and again and he's kept his promises. See, I think we'll look back on those opportunities. And maybe we'll see in those opportunities as we look back on them, just these moments of not only defined change in a person's life that we've influenced, but I think we're gonna see it as a life-changing moment in ours. I think the individuals that we have an opportunity to influence in those moments that God gives us we're going to learn about ourselves as individuals. Learn about how he's made us, how he's wired us for sound for certain things, what we're made to do here on this earth. But here's the greatest part of that. I think what we're going to learn in those moments that may catch us off guard where we can be the hero is we're just going to learn about our Heavenly Father. We're going to learn more and more about his character. Your character counts, and it's not for sale. So let's look to the character of the eternal king, the eternal king whose character has always been promised to us and has always been righteous. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for each individual here. I thank you for those that are engaging with us online, however, whenever. God, I know we, we want to be influencers. I think we all understand that we, we impart influence into this world, Lord. We're not settling for just positive. We want to be life-changing. And so with that, Lord, we, it begins with character, Lord. And sometimes our character, we feel like we just don't, we just keep falling in the same ruts time and time again. So Lord, I pray in those moments that we would just lean on yours. Help us to lean into your character, God. For you are the one that is guiding. You are the one that is shaping. You are the one that's molding us. And you are the one we can count on to turn to, to look to your word, to look to three young men.
and say that character is going to cost us something and that character is not to be compromised. And that whatever fiery furnace we find ourselves in, Lord, you'll deliver us because you're a God that keeps your promise. God, thank you. And we pray that you would just be with us as we go forth. In your great name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.